This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show that can't wait to talk about Green Lantern again, because the Martin Campbell's back directing. Do we have to? I- I'm okay with it. I'd rather not. Well, it's the director's cut, though. That's the one I watch, and it's still not that bad. All right. <laughs> You're visibly shaking. He's done other movies. I know, we're, this is an entrapment, because we're supposed to be talking about 1998's The Mask of Zorro, right. directed by the Martin Campbell. And I'm just, I'm throwing a little twist on you, saying, oh, Green Lantern, let's do it. Yeah, right, Ryan now. Reynolds, right now, let's talk about him. I really don't want to talk about Ryan Reynolds. I'm bailing. I'm bailing on the bit. Is that all it took? <laughs> That's all it took. We talked about him so much already. It's true. I'm good now. I'm sure someday we'll have to talk about him again. <laughs> It's unfortunate, but it's true. Yeah. I can't wait for him to play his only role that he ever plays of <laughs> fast-talking smartass. I can't wait. And Ryan Reynolds as Ryan Reynolds. Today we're talking about 1998's The Mask of Zorro, directed by the Martin Campbell, starring uh, Puss in Boots himself, Antonio Banderas. Hey, and that's right. Two Brits. And Catherine Zeta-Jones and they're Sir Welsh. Anthony Hopkins. Thank you very much. Are they both Welsh? I think they might both be Welsh. You, let's just roll with it then. I'm not going to look it up. I know that Catherine Zeta-Jones is Welsh. Uh, so is Anthony Hopkins. All right. They, there you go. The more you know. Both Welsh. And so naturally they're both going to be playing <laughs> Spaniards, I guess. Yep. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Possibly Mexicans. I'm Accents not sure. don't matter at all. It's great. Nope. Not one bit. You ever seen this thing before? This is the first time I've ever seen any Zora movie. Hard stop. Period. That's it. Yep. All right. I've seen this thing before, and I did not remember a single second of it. That's amazing. How long ago did you see it? Was it 1998? 1998, probably. Yeah, Yeah, nothing stuck. Nothing at all. So this, to me, was like watching it fresh eyes again. Yeah. Which, hey, it's a good way to watch things sometimes, I guess. I agree. As somebody (laughs) who had to come into it with fresh eyes. That's true. What'd you think of it? I actually enjoyed it way more than I expected to. What were you expecting? I don't know. Uh, this, the whole sword, masked, vigilante, swashbuckly kind of westerny thingy, not my, not my bag, baby. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll live through it. But I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Despite the length, it's really long. It is a long movie. Yeah. This thing definitely had a Swedish made movie and larger on it. That is its bag, baby, because this is a long movie. <laughs> Swedish made film enlargement pump. That's right. You want to get into it? We might as well just get into it. We find ourselves, as we always do, in 1821 Los Californias. Los Californias? It blows my mind that that's the way we always start these things. I know. At this point, it's getting old. You'd think we'd get used to it. The Mexican army is on the verge of liberating its country from Spanish colonial rule, and Spanish governor Don Rafael Montero, played by Stuart Wilson. You're not going to roll any R's? That's not what you're going to do? 
if I do it now, I'm going to have to do it the whole time, and I don't know if my tongue can take it. <laughs> you got to get that Fox and Socks going. Don Rafael Montero. Nope, don't do it. It was no. easier. Yeah, no. Uh, I understand why the Welsh people got the job instead. <laughs> That's fair. He's about to be overthrown, and I hate to do this to you so early, Dave, but... You're kidding me. I have an actual IMDb trivia fact. This movie technically hasn't even begun yet. This is a novel of an opening thing we need to read that is on screen. That's true. And you're going to drop an IMDb fact on me? (laughs) Hit me. Go ahead. Five years before this film was released, Stuart Wilson appeared in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, in which Michelangelo calls his character, Walker, that Zorro dude during a battle scene. I very much approve all of what you just said, and I can't believe that's going to happen. If here. it wasn't IMDb actual enough for you, I can add another layer to it. This wasn't part of it. I would it, but, rather you didn't. But I'd I mean, rather you you just moved on. Yeah, but I'm not. That's Please? not my mo. Stuart okay. Wilson in this movie does play <laughs> a character named Raphael, which is yes. one of the turtles' names. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's how you drive. Okay. That's how you drive home your IMDb fact. Amateurs, you put it off the backboard to yourself and then dunked it home. Feeling good about my IMDb facts today, all right? I'm glad to hear it. Facts, go, go. Just keep going. Please, get, get me out of here. <laughs> all right, we're out, we're out. In a last-ditch effort to trap his nemesis, Zorro, Sir Anthony fucking Hopkins. He's extremely good in this entire movie. He is so Welsh, but so good. If they were filming it today, he never would have gotten the role, but my God, does he crush it then. Well, it's because he's old as hell now. Yeah, well, of course he wouldn't get the role. That's not they why. They cast him as I the mean. old guy in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> now we're, we're 22 years later. It's like, he's not going to get the role. No. No, I, I meant because of cultural reasons, but. Uh, fair. It's You know We've, what? I, I, ageism's a thing too, Brian, okay? Ageism is absolutely a thing. But I think I, I was referring to we as a culture has have progressed to a point where we're actually not whitewashing these characters so much as we that's used to. That's pretty fair. Montero prepares to execute three innocent townspeople because he's trying to trap- Because he can. He's trying yeah. to trap his enemy, Zorro, before he fucks off from Mexico. Right. But thanks to orphan brothers Joaquin and Alejandro Murrieta, who push a statue on top of a group of Spanish snipers? Are they still snipers in the 1800s? I, I thought we were done with the Edgar Wright stuff here, but this is hot fuzz all over it. It sure is. Zorro is able to free the prisoners, and he rewards the Marietta brothers with a special medallion. He does. I love this quick little reveal of Zorro, too, because he's in the crowd. You see with the mask that he has on, and he looks down at these kids. He's like, shh, shh. Which, it's me. that's the reason you should be concerned is that a grown man is telling kids not to talk about something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's how you get Jared from Subway, really. Yep, that's exactly how that happens. You go, hey, kids, don't tell anybody I was here. Right. <laughs> It's like, how much to hang out with you, Jared? $5, foot long. Ah, fuck. Oh, boy. Ah, gross. Zorro then confronts Montero and slices a Z into his neck as a warning that he'll never be rid of Zorro. Surely that'll come back. Nope, doubt it. (laughs) And then he escapes on his horse, Tornado. That's correct. That night, as Zorro, whose true identity is Don Diego de la Vega, tells his infant daughter stories of Zorro. Are you going to say names this sexy the whole time? Because if you are, I am in. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll try. Now I'm really kicking myself that you're not rolling those R's. Well, maybe I should try. <laughs> Please don't. 
Please don't. <laughs> All right. Fine. Zoro's confronted by Montero, who has deduced his identity, and is, of course, in love with his wife, Esperanza. Right. He, did, he deduced his identity from nothing, from no clues, no nope. context at all. He's the movie. just like, just, I know who it is. Zoro Man. Yes. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Classic. You and your wife, whom I also love. Clearly a story happened before we took part in this whole story we're now taking part in. There's a lot of backstory here. Yeah, and it wasn't even part of the opening paragraph. Nope. They had plenty of time to write it out, and they chose not to. And that's on them. While attempting to arrest Diego, a fight ensues, and Esperanza is accidentally shot while trying to protect Diego. And she dies. One of Raphael's goons just went pew pew. Bang, bang. With this big old gun. And then I love how the civility kicks in right away as she's laying there bleeding, how Raphael and Don Diego are just like, oh, oh, that escalated too quickly, maybe. This isn't what we wanted at all. <laughs> One of us was supposed to try to try to get with her still. Oh, darn it. Now neither of us can have her. Man. So naturally, Montero burns down Diego's house and takes his infant daughter, Elena, to raise her as his own while Diego's in prison. <laughs> that totally checks out. As you do. Well, I, I have a big issue with this because as Raphael and Don Diego are facing off, I learned that swashbuckling is not my thing. <laughs> it still it still is not. But the weirdest thing I think in film history is said because you have Raphael say, I want you to suffer as I suffered, knowing that your child should have been mine. And the first thing I went was, that's not how babies work. Yeah, I don't think he understands. The, I don't the think the mechanics you of it, genetics, or how any of this works with the male pieces and the female pieces. <laughs> I, what are we doing here, movie? I don't know. If that baby should have been mine. Martin Campbell's definitely warming up for Green Lantern. <laughs> it's been a, a steady trajectory. Right. He went. I'm going to make a Golden Eye. Nailed it. I'm going to make <laughs> Mask of Zorro. Mostly nailed it. I'm going to make Casino Royale and really fool you all. Green Lantern? Fuck you guys. Watch me. Watch what I can do. Yeah. Swerve. Oh, there's a Legend of Zorro in there somewhere, too. Somewhere in there. We'll get there. 20 years later. <laughs> you know that SpongeBob movie is, in fact, on our Ebert list, right? It sure is. <laughs> so careful with that. Montero returns to California, and his first stop is to look for Diego in the old prison. And although De La Vega is there, Montero doesn't recognize him, and several prisoners go full Spartacus on him. It is full Spartacus, and how does he not recognize this guy? I don't know. He looks like Anthony Hopkins to me. They clearly had a connection and some sort of personal backstory from the past. Yeah. And he's just looking around, he's like, you, Anthony Hopkins-looking motherfuck. No, it's not you. I'm going to move on to this guy, who clearly looks like he's never fought anyone <laughs> in his life. I looked him right in the eye. Because one of them was covered for some reason. We never find out. They tricked him. That's it. He yep. Nick Furyed him. He was like, oh, nope. The guy I fought had two eyes, so it's not you. <laughs> what a disguise. That's better than the baseball hat and the hoodie. That's right. It's been a long time since the Incredible Hulk. Diego later escapes, posing as a dead body, like he's the Count of Monte Cristo or something. And then he gets buried alive. It's bad ass. It's pretty cool, though, because he waits the appropriate amount of time, you know, long enough for nobody to be around, but not so long that he runs out of oxygen before he proceeds to night of the living dead himself out of his grave. A lot of questions here. Yeah. A lot of logistical questions of how do you know that you are fully entombed 
in the ground here? How do you know you're fully buried? How do you know these guys have left and they're not just sitting there smoking cigarettes because they're probably union workers? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> how does he just guess here? And he's just like, I'm Anthony Hopkins. Watch me get out of the ground dramatically. I have a knife. I watched Kill Bill. It's not easy to do this. No, and he makes it look very easy. Probably dug out with his Oscar or something like that. Probably. How long do you have to lay still while they carry you around? How are you convincing people carrying your body that you're dead? <laughs> let me let me bring out this extremely warm body. He has not frozen yet. Is that how bodies work? We don't know how babies work. Oh, Science? he what are just you? sneezed. It's probably a death sneeze. That's what it is. That's what they always say. Is, hey, watch out for the death breath. <laughs> this movie doesn't understand basic science right now. There's and a, I'm okay with it. I, I mean, I'm willing to forgive it. I'm on board. Very on board. While all of this is happening, we meet up with our two orphan boys from before, Alejandro, Antonio fucking Banderas, and Joaquin Marietta, played by Victor Rivers, who is an actor. Right. He is in this movie briefly. Yes. Sometime in the last 20 years, they turned to a life of petty crime as banditos and are now wanted and have seemingly been caught by three-fingered Jack, who's, who's a guy with three fingers. It's a clever nickname. It's, if nothing else. It is a nickname. <laughs> when they arrive at the next town and the officials there try to take the captive brothers from Three Finger Jack to collect the ransom themselves, it's revealed that he's in on it and the trio rob the town blind. I love it. It's very cool, especially because they played with the audience first with Three Finger Jack, you know, tossing the empty canteen to the, t- to the brothers. Right. You call it playing. I call it manipulating. Oh, yeah. it's Words matter. It doesn't matter. Definitely Here, manipulation, though. but it's uh, for a fun twist that we get a couple minutes later. It's a very fun movie. Keep bringing them. As they leave town, they come face to face with Captain Harrison Love, played by Matt Lechler. Lesher? Let's, let's sure. It doesn't matter. I have no it, idea. It, it really doesn't matter. When you have a movie villain, maybe don't make him look like a bitch. <laughs> he doesn't look like a bitch. He looks like a Texan. Oh, boy. I lived in Texas. No one looks like that. (laughs) 1800s Texan. He's got like this flowing blonde hair. Yeah. And this blonde beard that looks like it was taped on. (laughs) He's definitely been in a couple Pantene commercials. Oh, without a doubt. He's got luxurious hair. He looks like he'd be in the WWE, but definitely one of those guys who is not meant to get over ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Captain Love and his whole Texan army manage to capture Three-Finger Jack and kill Joaquin as Alejandro escapes. This scene's insane because you have Captain Love, who clearly has been hunting these two for a long time. Yeah. Three-Finger Jack, he just kind of shoots, and he's like, well, that's the end of Three-Finger Jack. Let's go on to these brothers who are running away. Never see him again, I bet. Never again. He shoots Joaquin. Joaquin goes down, and he's like, Antonio Banderas, run. And Antonio Banderas is like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So then... I like how Captain Love stands over him and he's like, oh, I'm going to take pleasure in doing this, take honor in doing this or whatever. To which I love how the brother just takes out a gun and shoots himself in the chest. Yep. He's like, you know, nope, it's you basically can't have just this. like giving middle fingers <laughs> to, to Captain so Love. He's like, ha ha, got you. Also, I'm going to die now, but got you. Got you. And then he's like, well, fine. I can't kill you. I'll at least chop off your head. And he does. He sure does. And lucky for us. The medallion that was given as a child falls off, and somehow no one takes this thing? Nobody takes the medallion. Nobody takes it because Antonio Banderas just wanders over. He's like, oh, lucky. 
Good. <laughs> oh, no good. Took our our family's heirloom here, our symbol of familyhood or whatever. You know it is. that thing that Zorro gave us twenty years ago. If this weren't such a good movie, it would be a bad movie. I think you're right. I think that's the best way to put that. Diego shows up to a public ceremony from Montero's return, intent on killing him. But wouldn't you know it, his daughter Elena, played by Catherine Zeta <laughs> fucking Jones, shows up. Another Oscar winner. Yeah, and this what is the hell? This is her first movie, I believe. Is it really? This might be her her debut as a at least as one of the leads. You know, good enough. I'm not going to look it up. I'll believe you. I mean, it's as much effort as I'm willing to put into looking it up. <laughs> saying the words and hoping they're true. Right. And uh, this scene does some weird things because I like how as she comes out, Anthony Hopkins sees her. He goes, that's my kid. Just kind of on a whim. Yep. Just, oh, yeah. I, I guess because she looks like the mom or baby. whatever. But then to really treat the audience like they're idiots, I like how she walks out and just some random schlub walks over to her and she hands him like a flower like oh what is this flower he's like oh it's this flower it only grows in california and i believe this is the first visit to our shores that you've ever had lady yeah the wink it, wink ding the romagnus flower. whatever it is she's like <laughs> i recognize that smell but that's impossible because i've never been here i've never been here before it's my first time in california highway that's right so diego decides not to kill montero right then he's like all right i'll wait so my, my I don't know why daughter's I don't not know why. right there. I guess. I mean, what's the, the difference here? I think he needs to prove to her he's her real father before he kills who she thinks is her real father. Oh, okay. You know, we'll get there much later on. We'll get there. I want to talk about that. <laughs> Go ahead. Diego goes into town and he meets an adult Alejandro who he recognizes because he's got the the medallion that he conveniently picked up off of his dead brother's corpse. Right. And he's just he's just a drunken, clumsy bandit, and he's fueled by his hatred of Captain Love, who just so happens to also be walking through the town square because now he's Montero's commander-in-chief. Well, they do say California, it is the small state that there is. They do say that. It's like, oh, you're counting down. You got to go Delaware, Rhode Island, California. In that order, really. <laughs> so I guess Diego's like, yeah, uh, you, don't use that medallion to buy whiskey. Instead, come with me, and I'll teach you how to be uh, Zorro. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to possibly put it. It's basically how it goes down. He's like, oh, I'll fight you so I can kill that man. He's like, uh, he'll definitely kill you. You're drunk. He's a trained fighter. That's right. And then, and then Alejandro's like, I've never lost a fight. And Diego's like, I just beat you up, and I'm an old man. So now I will train you. An Oscar winner old man, but an old man nonetheless. It's true. They had a laser my back. I don't know and what it means. Insane. What does that mean? I have no idea, but it's legitimately something that they had to do so he could do the scenes. They had a laser his back. I don't know what that entails. That's the 1998 equivalent of, I don't know, medicine. <laughs> Hit him with some lasers. Hey, say one of those futuristic <laughs> words and just put it on a, on an appendage or whatever. Yeah, but that's the real life thing. That's, that's really what happened. I metamorphosed his arm. <laughs> the doctors like did I do medicine? Doctors are like, it's almost two thousand. We could just laser his back, right? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> hey, I used a photon cannon on his big toe. No more turf toe. Whoa, careful with those big words like photon. <laughs> Try that again in ten years. Oh man. Medicine's funny. Isn't it? Science is funny. Lasers are funny. 
Then we get a classic montage with sword fighting and getting whipped by Anthony Hopkins and doing push-ups over burning candles and bathing. That, that's, always bathing. It's pretty much it's always bathing in these movies. The I think, whole montage is yeah, always <laughs> bathing. We have to make sure we're clean. I don't and know. cutting some hair. Some hair. <laughs> not even close to all of Definitely it. Definitely not. Maybe all not of even it. a third of it. This is the movie equivalent of literally a little off the top. Because he's like, you look like a mangy whatever. I'm going to cut just yep. nothing off your hair. I'm going to snip some scissors near your head. <laughs> and we'll see what happens. It's so stupid. Oh, my God. If you cut off a man's like top knot or whatever they call the, the thing that you shouldn't have. Yeah. He, he cut off the equivalent of less than that, probably. Yeah. I mean, he barely did anything to the top. I mean, he it's did a pretty, a pretty good job on the beard. But it's a lot of beard work that was done. But the hair work. The poor. hair was barely touched. After some training and bathing, Alejandro dons a makeshift costume and clumsily steals a black stallion resembling Tornado. Diego's former steed. He sure does. On his way to steal the horse, Alejandro encounters Elena, and they make eyes at each other. They do. And before you say anything, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact for you. Now, I'm nervous about what this is because I was going to say something. Yeah? And uh, I'll wait. The mask that Alejandro Murrieta Antonio Banderas puts on just before he steals the horse was made from the same scarf he had earlier unwrapped from the horse's front leg. You know, that thing that happened two, we, we, two minutes before. We saw that. Yeah. We saw that happen. Yeah. So you, Is that the fact? You can't say it's not a fact, then. That was a thing that happened in the movie. That's like saying Indiana Jones puts on the hat that he grabbed in the scene earlier. That's exactly what it's like. From his own hanger of hats. Yep. And then he wore it. Antonio Banderas, he, he <laughs> saw a scarf on a, on a horse, and then he put it on his head, and now I'm submitting all this information to IMDb. Oh, my God. That was somebody's actual thought process. Why would they do that? Do you think the person- Why that, would they waste their own time? I feel like the person And then waste that, mine eventually. That submitted that fact must have been like, oh, my God, I think that's the same scarf. Rewind it. I need to know. <laughs> That, you know what, that scene alone, like, you know, whenever you, you rewound like a DVD and now you rewind when you're streaming, it has to like kind of buffer a little bit yeah. in order to get into place. And it's, and it's annoying. Yeah. It's proper annoying. It is. And it makes you not want to ever rewind ever again. You're like, man, I don't want to wait two seconds to confirm something that I'm pretty sure that I did see. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty and I'm irritating. pretty sure that DVD companies like got together in 1998 or whatever it was after they read that fact, they're like. No, make that buffer. Make it buffer. We can't have people submit this shit to IMDb. Make sure you add like a two-second pause so it's just a pain in the ass to rewind. It's annoying enough so that people don't submit this garbage. And yet. And yet, here we are. <laughs> it's only gotten worse, really. The whole horse thing becomes a huge ordeal. He has to fight like 50 dudes and one really tall one. That's usually how it goes, though, is you have... You're one versus many, and he's able to beat him no problem. And then there's just the one that's too big. And there's like, oh, the big guy came out. And then when the big guy comes out, it's like he's invincible, which, nope, he's just big. He's just a big guy. He's just big. You hit him in the that's face a few times is. with some cannonballs, he's going to spit some teeth out. Anybody's going to go down. Granted, Antonio Banderas hits him a comical amount of times with these cannonballs in the face for him to go down. Yeah. And then when he does go down, everyone's like, oh, my God. Oh, he took down big Larry. <laughs> Big Larry is dropped. <laughs> I can't believe he took out Big Larry just by hitting him in the face with some cannonballs. 
Gosh, we were just about to make him Don Larry, too, because he was so big and so, so meaningful. <laughs> and now he doesn't even have any teeth. So even when he wakes no, up, it. we can't can't be having that. No, no, it's just we can't have him as a Don Larry. Don Toothless Larry. It doesn't make sense. To escape from Captain Love, Alejandro seeks refuge in a nearby church with the assistance of the town priest and Zorro's old friend, Father Felipe. Sure, he's balder now. Fine. He's much more bald now. We saw him in the opening scene, and he had one of those weird monk cuts. Yeah, he had that the never understood the ring of hair, the old. That's right, the old hairy donut. That's that what they call it. <laughs> and now he's just completely bald. It's like he, okay, he I got guess hungry. That's how you're gonna say time advanced or whatever. Oh, he got more bald. I guess it's been twenty years. That's right. Alejandro hides in the confessional, where Elena thinks she's confessing to the priest. Okay, let's talk about this. Because this is problematic. She claims to have broken the fourth commandment by dishonoring her father, even though that's the fifth commandment. And the fourth is about (laughs) observing the Sabbath. But the point is, she tells the priest that she had lustful feelings for the masked man she had just met. Right. And the masked man she just met is obviously hearing all this. All of it. But Elena here is on a Catwoman level of horny. Yeah. Instantly. Instantly. Because she's like, listen, father, I know you can't do anything about this, but him? Soaking. (laughs) Dry me up, father. I don't know what to do about this masked man who I only had one quick conversation with, and he said something that was only moderately quippy, and oh boy, it got me going. I don't even remember what it was, but it was moderately quippy. (laughs) And she was like, oh my God, the men here wear scarves on their face, and it does it for me. That's right. They wear masks and leather. And I'm going to need a safety word if we keep talking, Father. <laughs> what does she expect? To- yeah, uh, say a couple of Hail Marys and, and get the fuck out of my confessional. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if the father's just like, I, I don't know. Double click the mouse and then exit. I, I don't know what to tell you here. <laughs> Have you tried Control-Alt-Delete? Right. You are not in my realm of expertise right now. Yeah. yeah. I sinned. I had impure thoughts about some guy who was wearing a scarf. Hold these weird beads that are on this rope and say words and you'll feel better, I guess. Maybe. I don't know don't, how it works. Do not use the beads anywhere else. I can't believe I need to say that. Oh, no. You know that's a weird porn thing. You know it. And that's the, uh, the biggest course. problem of Zorro is that it probably introduced that, I'd imagine. I don't know if Zorro introduced it. Do you know that there was a, in the 70s there was a, a Zorro porno? Okay, can you explain this a little more in depth, please? I was just gonna... not talked about weird porn parodies in a long time. I was just going to leave it at that, but I mean, yeah, I could go into the whole Zorro timeline if we if we really want to get into it. But should we do it now? Because there's a lot. There is a lot. I mean, why not? Right? We don't we have should to though. Touch upon it at least. This, I mean, this movie's half over already. <laughs> That's true. So Zorro has been around for a very very long time, and it's interesting that we haven't had more movies with him in them. It is interesting because, weirdly enough, Zorro has gone the way of the Happy Birthday song in a lot of ways. Yep. In the sense that copyrights are now a thing I know too much about because of how much I had to research for this Zorro episode. Yeah, and let's not forget Spider-Man last week. Exactly. Contracts. Yeah, contracts. I can't believe we're here. We're talking about litigation instead of talking about the, the masked swashbuckler himself. The fox. We should say this episode is unofficially produced by Matt Cowan because 
you guys think you're fans of things, and <laughs> you guys are not fucking fans of things. Yeah, because you guys Matt have Cowan never liked anything in your life. Zorro fan. He wrote us an email pretty much pointing us in the right direction on everything Zorro. He's like, hey, heard you guys are doing Zorro. Here's everything that's ever happened to him. It's amazing. You guys are not fans of anything. Just that's it. No one's a fan of anything anymore because Matt Cowan's now the ultimate fan. He gave us suggested readings. He did. That's going above and beyond. I love it. Producer Matt Cowan, thank you. Let's talk about copyright issues. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants to touch Zorro with a 90-foot whip, pretty much, because (laughs) it is complicated. To put it really, really lightly, Zorro has technically not been in a movie in 80 years, to this point now, even. Really? Really, really. Mostly because in 1940, when they made that Zorro flick, it was technically the last time there was a true Zorro. The mark of Zorro. Exactly. When you go forward to now, Zorro's technically barely in this movie because it is uh, Don Diego is the Zorro. This is kind of the passing of the torch before we even get there. But there is a family that owns the rights to Zorro. Zorro was created by Johnston McCauley back in 1919. And the film rights and everything like that was thrown to a guy named Mitchell Gertz. Naturally. Mitchell Gertz got really old and probably died, and he passed it along to his son, John Gertz. But the whole production company that was formed around this is called Zorro Productions, Inc. Because you have one character, why not build a whole production company around him? It's not like a Muppets thing where you have a whole cast of characters. This is just one guy with one a mask. One guy. But this guy, to be fair, was the inspiration for Batman. So, Yeah, he was. Uh, technically, a lot of people call Zorro the first American superhero. Yeah. The original masked vigilante. Which is insane, because we did talk about Flash Gordon a few weeks ago, and he's looked at as kind of like the godfather of the comic strip, more than anything. But here, proper cinematic superhero here. And yeah, he completely influenced Batman, where you have the kind of stuck-up rich guy who is noble underneath it all and is saving the day wearing a mask. Right. Just needs some dead parents, really, when you think about it. That's, I mean, the one thing every blossoming superhero needs exactly so there's a guy named robert cable who in the 1990s wrote a zorro musical because that's what we needed absolutely everybody was asking for it and he tries to get this thing off the ground i think it's like 1998 he tries to get this thing off the ground and he writes to the gertz man who had the rights to zorro yeah and he's trying to like get his blessing like i want to write this i know you have the rights here we go after a little bit of research cable realizes that zorro is in the public domain. Of course, enough time had passed, I'm sure. But this guy, Gertz, is like holding this over his head saying, no, he's not in the public domain. We still have the copyright. To which this Gertz guy then files a lawsuit saying this is an unfair copyright because he's in the public domain. We should be able to write about him. Everyone is not wanting to write about Zorro things at this point because of this copyright issue. Cable backed off. He's like, I don't want to deal with this. This seems like too much. Flash forward into the 2000s now, where... Another musical was getting planned in London at the time. Everybody loves the Zorro musicals. So Gertz is doing this with another person who's writing the musical, and Cable recognizes that a lot of the story is lifted off of what he put out there. Oh, no. (laughs) Basically, what this Gertz guy does is he holds the Zorro copyright over anyone's head who wants to try to touch this and keeps them in constant litigation to really just drag it out to make them not want to fight this thing anymore. Wow. What is he trying to preserve? 
I have no idea. It's a guy in a mask. It's been done a thousand times at this point, but I think it's like, my family name is built on the Zorro guy. Don't take it away. <laughs> but nobody wants to touch Zorro because of it, because it just leads to constant litigation. It's insane. That's absolutely ridiculous. And it is sitting in the public domain. If you want, you can go write a story about Zorro who uses the rosary beads as a sex object <laughs> if you really, really want to because Elena is horny as hell in this movie. Yeah, the problem you can is do that. you are definitely going to get threatened with a lawsuit from the Gertz family. You could. You could. And what you should do is you should change Elena's last name to really get under the skin even deeper. Change it to Gertz. Oh, I like Make that. Make it so that Zorro is pegging this Gertz man. Make it so that that's happening in your fan fiction. Publish it somewhere. It's public domain. You totally can. It's public domain. And one note you could also do is you can make the the lead character Jay Gatsby, because the great Gatsby, as of January 1st, is now public domain. Is it really? Because of the 90-year-old. That's it is. amazing. It is. You could do this. After 90 years, depending on the dates, I'm not going to get into it. It's just, it's a lot of reading. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But that's when things leave their copyright. Exactly. It used to be... The lifetime of the creator plus 70 years, now it's just 90 years. But Zorro, he can completely fuck a Gertz man, and you should write that. Anyone should write that. Everyone because fuck this should guy. write that. Yeah, because of this copyright issue, the few titles we've gotten since the 40s involve things like Zorro the Gay Blade in 1981, which was clearly a parody, so they could get away with it. And in 1972, it was The Erotic Adventures of Zorro. Right, another parody, right? Yeah, I hope. <laughs> Although this movie's making me think maybe erotic adventures aren't that unusual for Zorro. No, it sounds like they are just out there all the time. He wears two masks, one top mask, one bottom I was mask. I gonna say, where's the second mask? If you have to ask. So long story short, Zorro gets away. Or Alejandro gets away. <laughs> you make me talk about copyright <laughs> issues for that long. Just to say Alejandro gets away. That is Apropos of this movie. Yeah. When he gets back to the foxhole, Diego's like, hey, I don't like what you did there because Zorro is a servant of the people. He's not some kind of thief and adventurer. Right. And we'll get there. I want to talk about that later still. Yep, definitely. So Diego instructs him to go and gain Montero's trust by convincing him that he's a gentleman of stature. To which Alejandro says, that's going to take a lot of work. And Anthony Hopkins is like, nope. You just got to think one thing and say another. That's right. That's how you become a gentleman. And then he just does that. That's exactly what he does. <laughs> Posing as visiting nobleman Don Alejandro del Castillo y Garcia with Diego as his servant, Alejandro attends a party at Montero's Hacienda, where he quickly gains Elena's admiration and enough of Montero's trust to be invited to a secret meeting. I mean, he's laying it on pretty thick in front of Daddy Raphael there. Oh, yeah, big time. I wouldn't want my daughter anywhere near him. He's also trying extremely hard to show up Captain Love. Oh, big time. And also, we should say that Anthony Hopkins is present in all this because he's kind of the, the servant Bernardo. Right, right. He is posing as a servant. And producer Matt Cowan told us that there's a Bernardo that's prevalent in all these stories. Bernardo so, is always there. The producer's showing up again. In this secret meeting, Montero reveals his plan to retake all of California for the Dons by buying it from General Santa Ana, who is desperately in need of money to fund his ongoing war with the United States. It's just a big old meeting to dump some exposition. <laughs> That's all it is. Is pretty much you have what feels like the plot of Wild Wild West, Yep, where you're trying to get <laughs> loveless land here, and you're trying to get it away from Santa Annie. 
And that's where we are that's, at this point. That's where we are. With Hank Hill probably trying to steal a leg or something. I love it. Google tells me Wild Wild West came out in 1999, one year after this. Whew, dodged that one. For a second, I thought maybe this movie was trying to bite Wild Wild West, which just seems so backwards. It does seem backwards, mostly because this is a good movie. Yes. There's no robotic spiders <laughs> in it. The next day, Alejandro and the Dons are taken by Montero to a secret gold mine known as El Dorado. Maybe you've heard of it where peasants and petty criminals are used as slave labor to, you know, mine gold. Right, they're trying to take Sandy Annie's gold right from underneath him. Exactly. From his land, and then they're going to pay him using this gold. While they're there, Three-Fingered Jack, who uh, is not dead, actually, he's just a slave <laughs> here, he attacks the nobleman because, you know, reasons. And then he gets killed by Captain Love, just to really make Alejandro no, no, hate him even more. no, no. No, don't you brush over this. He's sitting in a mine cart. Yes. Donkey Kong style. He sure is. And he goes down this mine cart yelling that he's going to kill them. And he goes, you know, he hits something at the end of whatever, at the end of this track. I don't know how mine carts work. There's always just an end <laughs> they, for some they reason. They just stop. And he goes flying through the air. And Captain Love fires one shot at him. And it stops him in midair and drops him to the ground. Physics. And once again... Science takes a backseat. Hey, maybe the force of the bullet was so much that it stopped inertia. Do you still have beeping going on? I do. Isn't that fun? Yeah. This episode is brought to you by batteries. I don't know. Energizer. God. Duracell. Shit. Even Rayovax. Batteries. Buy them and put them in your smoke detectors, especially if you've got a tenant sharing a wall. Oh my gosh, we recorded, what episode was that during the Edgar Wright month? Whatever it was, it was in December it was that we recorded. Ago, yes. It is now February, and it is still beeping. <laughs> Welcome to my constant nightmare. Oh my gosh. You know, I've been wondering why my sleep's been so bad, and now I think I get it. That is a nightmare. That really is a nightmare. I bet it makes you want to watch Green Lantern instead of have to deal with any of that. I mean, the beeping would still be happening through Green Lantern, so no. No, it doesn't. I tried. All right. While Alejandro is with the Dons and, and Montero checking out the mines, Diego uses the opportunity to become closer to Elena using his Bernardo servant persona. He learns that Montero told Elena that her mother died in childbirth, which she's like, that's fucked, because I was there, and nope. <laughs> what did she give birth to? A bullet? <laughs> uh, that would be probably way easier, actually. Probably. It's kind of like a, like a reverse C-section. Instead of taking something out, you're putting something in, and it kills you instead of giving life. I just meant the process of birthing a bullet would be easier than a baby. But yeah, yeah, what you said. No, no way. I've seen Master and Commander with Paul Bettany, and it is not easier. No way. All right. Is that what he removes from that? Is it a bullet? I don't remember. He removes something, and he bites on something, and it's... Not oh, yeah, no, no, it's not. It's not fun to watch. Yeah. What is fun to watch is WandaVision, and what's fun to listen to is our weekly episode of WandaVision. That was such a natural segue, I had I almost missed it. That's right. Almost missed it. I hopped it. On, on both wheels and held on to the weird handles of the segue <laughs> and rode it all the way here to this moment. Nailed it. I love it. You crushed it. Later, Elena goes out into the local market, <laughs> and there's- Moving right along. <laughs> and there's a woman there who tries to give her a gift- 
And it's very confusing for Elena because the woman says, oh, I used to be your nanny and I'd recognize your face anywhere. The daughter of Esperanza. And she's like, I used to hang Romagno's flowers over your crib. And she's like, no, I've never been to California. So this movie does a a weird thing with accents and language and whatnot, because you have people who you say, yeah, you probably should be speaking Spanish. And you have some you're like, yeah, you're probably speaking English. And then you have this woman here who is properly speaking Spanish with subtitles in California. And it has to get translated back to Elena. Yeah. Who is been in possibly Mexico or Spain. She has been in throughout Spain her, her whole life, life and does not speak and Spanish. it needs to be translated. And it is very confusing. It's obviously a thing you don't, you're not supposed to break down within this movie. But... <laughs> It's really hard not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That seems yeah. like a, a blatant Don Diego oversight. de la Fuente or whatever his name is. It's like, does he speak Spanish? No. Not a lick. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just. It, this movie's weird because it's Spanish people with Welsh accents. And oh, my gosh. They went to like the Princess Leia school of <laughs> acting. <laughs> oh, no. It's confusing. It's very That's confusing. That's all I'm going to say. And you are not wrong. And I really hadn't connected it until that moment. And I think you might have broken me. <laughs> Diego later sends Alejandro, dressed as Zorro, to steal the map leading to the gold mine from Montero's hacienda. Just so many words in that sentence. Oh, yeah. In the process, Zorro duels and fights with Montero and Captain Love and a bunch of guards. And he gets that map. He's like, I got the map. Now I know where we're going, even though I was there yesterday. That's right. He said, oh, no, there were curtains all over the windows. It's like, man, move the curtain. You had one There was job. no one in there telling you not to move the curtain. It's not like Raphael was in your carriage. We saw him get out of a different carriage. Yeah. Just move the curtain. Just like, take a peek No outside. one is holding you hostage here. So Alejandro escapes to the stables, and he's confronted by Elena, who is now all of a sudden like, I... I'm very loyal to my father, and you're the man who made me horny earlier, but we are going to sword fight. We are! And they do. They they sword fight, and she's pretty good with a sword. She's extremely good with a sword. He's better, but, but she's is better. pretty good with yeah. a sword. Or at the very least, he wants it more, and what he wants more, well, Zoro's hornier. Yeah, this really is just a battle of horniness. Yep. And, man, I want to like Elena so much. I do, too. And I have issues doing it because to end the scene, he takes the sword and he throws it against the wall saying like, I've disarmed you or whatever. And then he starts painting a picture more or less. Yeah. He's like, with hold the sword still. on her as he's carving away on, on her or whatever. And then when he backs away, we see the, the, what's going on with Elena and her clothes just fall off. And she's extremely surprised by this, even though a man has now been cutting her clothes with a sword for the past 10 seconds. Oh, I did not expect that to be what happened. If it weren't so much fun, it would be stupid. (laughs) That is the perfect way to describe it. If it weren't so much fun, (laughs) it would be very stupid. But it's a blast. It's a great time. And it's the thing I remember most about this movie from the trailers. Correct. (laughs) So he kisses her for like an eighth or ninth time, and then he flees the stable, shaking off his pursuers. Right. Terrified of Santa Ana's retribution if he discovers that he's being paid with his own gold, Montero and Captain Love decide to destroy the mine with explosives and kill all the workers and leave no evidence. I don't think that's how it works. Nope. Mines are these great structures of wood and these giant holes that lead to tunnels and whatnot. (laughs) It's going to take time and effort to cover this thing up. I mean, unless he got. And there's going to be a lot of dead bodies. Well, plays a lot of dead bodies. It's going to be hella bodies. (laughs) 
really, Sandy Andy just needs to show up and be like, why Why are the deads here? What the hell's why, going on here, bro? What's bread? going on here? <laughs> Someone needs to explain this. I'm trying to fund my war with the US of A right now, and I come over here to get some gold, and I see that you're blowing the place up, and I don't much appreciate that. Right, and there's dead bodies and pieces of wood and bars of gold everywhere. I'm glad they destroyed it all. Or else I'd have no clue what's Something happening. Something is very suspicious about this, but I'm not going to ask a <laughs> single question. Alejandro uses the stolen map to locate the mine in order to release the workers. But while he's doing that, Diego goes and confronts Montero to reclaim Elena as his daughter, which is right. And this is after Diego says, I'm not going to help you. I'm going to go uh, get my daughter. Yeah. But I'm definitely not going to help you with your Zorro things. Right. And he's like, hey, you said the whole Zorro thing was about helping people not being selfish and doing the thing that you want to do. Right. And so. now the movie's basically telling us Anthony Hopkins is really old now and he's over that. He's like, you know what? I got my own shit, kid. Which makes it that the proper Zorro here is damn near nothing. And that's a bit of a problem for me with this movie. That is a bit of a problem because he does turn on that pretty quickly, huh? He sure does. And I mean, look at it the rest of the movie, how you will. He's not doing anything to actively help any of the situation other than his own. I mean, he trains the hell out of out of Alejandro to get his daughter back. It just happens to be that there was a mining situation that Sani Annie was going to get his land taken from his own gold. That just was really convenient to get Banderas onto that yeah. plot yeah, it's, line. A, it's a lot of, of personal vendettas happening here. Like, nope, don't pursue your personal vendetta because I'm working on my personal vendetta. Right. <laughs> it's very weird, and I don't care for it in terms of character development. Later that night, Diego corners Montero at the Hacienda and reveals his true identity. While holding a sword to his throat, Diego has Montero call for his daughter, quote-unquote, and reveals the truth, but Elena is skeptical. She's like, eh, you say you're my dad, but like I've known him longer. Well, I guess technically not longer, but I've been hanging out with him for 20 years, so it seems like he's probably right. my dad. He told me he's my dad. Yeah, and I'm going to believe him because he's my dad, I think. Right, exactly. <laughs> and he didn't get me all horny, which means he's definitely family. So That's the rule. That's my dad. Montero threatens to have Diego killed before his daughter, and Diego surrenders. He's like, fine. You win, I guess. And as the guards are carrying him away, he's like, hey, Elena, you know those flowers? Do you mean the Favros that used to hang <laughs> over my crib? Yeah, yeah. They're called Favros, and they smell nice, <laughs> and they're only here in California, and I know about them, so I must be your real dad. Right. This can't at all relate to a conversation that you had with a woman not speaking English scenes ago that I wasn't at all involved with. Yeah. But well, he was there. We are. He was there on the beach when somebody gave her the random uh, MacGuffin flowers, and she was like, "These smell familiar." <laughs> <laughs> well, she's having this extremely private conversation, and he is just in a crowd of people. Oh yeah, he's definitely like a Shazam's length away, so he could not have heard anything. This movie really treats the audience like they're just in it at all times. Yeah, that they are the camera. They are up in it. Honestly, and you know what? Fine. I was. You know what? It's effective. Fine. I was mostly in it and didn't really notice yeah. much of this until after. So it's when you want to be an asshole that you're able to pick these things apart and be like, "Is it a good movie? Nah. <laughs> Is it a great movie? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I guess we are good at being that asshole, huh? That's kind of what we base this whole show around, isn't it? Uh, Atlanta goes and she releases Diego from his cell. She like knocks out the guard and and she's like, "All right, you." I think you're actually my dad after that one conversation we just had. Let's let's go to the mine. 
<laughs> right. My little conscience on my shoulder that I call Maury told me, I got to listen to him. <laughs> Let me go rescue my dad? Question mark. <laughs> All signs point to probably? At the mine, Zoro prevents Captain Love from loading gold into a wagon to be taken from the mine, and he engages him in a duel. Captain Love fights really, really well, like a sword wielder. He's pretty good. For a, a man with silky blonde hair and who often uses a gun to do this kind of stuff, he's pretty good with a sword. Right. Well, he pulls out the gun and he's like, nah, bro, let's do it. Let's dance, and he tosses y'all. it aside. Diego arrives, even though he's like, I'm not going there. He goes there. And he prevents Montero <laughs> from shooting Zoro because Montero's like, yeah, Captain Love, have fun with your noble fight. I'm going to shoot him instead, which is honestly the right move if you're a bad guy in that situation. But luckily, Diego shows up and then they also duel. Now, this is the weird part about this movie. The dueling there duels? There hasn't been enough weird parts about this. There are dueling duels, but you have the lead of the movie who is fighting the henchmen and you have... The old the Zoro man is fighting the big bad. Yeah, yeah, that's a situation. And it's, it's very weird how it all plays out because usually you want your, you know, your hero to fight the big bad, but this hero is just really fighting a hench the whole time. Yeah, but at the same time, they're both fighting the people that have wronged them. So I get it. Okay, who's Zoro? Maybe that's my question. Both of them. Maybe that's the problem. Also, at this point, but- at this point, it's not clear which one is the proper Zoro. Uh, okay. We're also going to get there shortly. I want to talk about something coming up that might answer the question, but also might raise more questions, but keep going. You're doing great. One of them's dressed as Zoro, so you're right. You're right. But am I? But are you? Ugh. What a complicated movie. Diego gains the upper hand in his duel, but Elena is like, hey, no, don't kill this man who's claimed to be my father for 20 years, because, you know, I kind of am fond of him. (laughs) Right. It's weird, because her direct quote here is that she's like, you're my daddy, and you're my daddy, and the guy in leather I keep calling daddy. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> I just don't want my daddy to kill my daddy. Is there a safety word for this? I think that was the oversight. They didn't set a safe word. No, I don't think they this did. This whole thing could have come to a halt if they were just like, Bernardo. Right, a Eurotrip style safety word. Montero capitalizes on Elena not wanting him to die by holding a gun to her head and going, Hey, Diego, I'll kill my daughter. Because she's not really my daughter. <laughs> and then Diego's like, all right, fine. He's like, you really think I'd kill my daughter? And then he, he shoots Right. Him. He shoots Diego there. But it's like, I like how after he released Selene, he's like, you really think I'd kill my daughter? It's like, you have a Trump level of fucking delusion here. It really seems like you might. Of trying to lead into this lie yeah. or whatever. It's like, who are you lying to at this point? Who are you trying to convince? Like, everybody knows that you're the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows in this movie. I mean, even your daughter who- didn't know it, so you just had a gun to her head. So even she's in on it now. At that point, yes. Zoro is still dueling with love. I'm going to actually change. Alejandro is still dueling with love and finally gets <laughs> Fair him. Fair enough. <laughs> he finally gets him with the old Arya Stark. Look at this hand. Oh, whoops, I stabbed you with this hand move. Got him. Which is always a fun one. And uh, though mortally wounded. It's a, it's a thing, yeah. And, and he's just stabbed right through the middle, just all the way through the gut, which is not ideal. I would say, in terms of getting stabbed, definitely top 10 places you don't want to get stabbed. Definitely top 10 places you don't want to get stabbed. Without a doubt. Yeah. Might even crack the top five. It definitely flirts with the top five. Yeah, yeah it's close. If it's not in there, it's uh, it's sixth. I would debate it for top five. Yeah. If it gets there, oh, I don't know. The gut, bad spot. Yeah. 
Either way. Meanwhile, Diego, though mortally wounded, is is still fighting with Montero, and he manages to get him tied up with a wagon loaded with gold and sends him off a cliff, which of course is gonna fall directly on love and just kill both of, of them in one fell gold raining swoop. <laughs> of course. <laughs> This movie's got a bit of a problem. We need to solve it. And it's really long. Do it fast. Got it. I know the way. <laughs> We're going to drop the gold cart with the big bad onto the hench and solve all the problems. The, the hench has been presumably. stabbed through the stomach? Yeah, he might still make it, so we just got to make sure. I've seen Die Hard. I know not to trust men with long blonde hair when they might be dead. That's true. I know that well enough. That's true. Elena and Alejandro, now without his mask on, because, I don't know, things were happening. He's like, you gotta take this mask no, off. No, I, I get that one, because he does take the mask off when he kills Captain Love. And actually, I think that's one of the most important parts of this movie, because he wants Captain Love to see his face. Oh, Obviously, yeah. it's just a mask. It's not covering him. But it shows that Zorro really is an idea. It's kind of a V for Vendetta-like idea. It's not so much, I wear this cape and cowl on Batman. Right. This is who I actually am. Zorro is an idea, and that's the idea that Diego passes down to Alejandro, but Diego, in his old age, can't live up to it at this point. Right. Because he is very selfish and just wants his daughter back, which isn't all that selfish, I get that, but he's not fighting for the greater good. Right. At some point, he loses sight of what the what he's supposed to be fighting for, and that's almost why he needs to pass down the, the mantle. Exactly. So it's awesome that Alejandro pulls the mask off. Yeah. Because- Zorro really is this idea. The mask of Zorro isn't so much an actual mask. It's the idea that you're supposed to fight for the little guy. Right. You're supposed to stand right. up for what's right. And I love that about this movie. I do too. I think that that's a great message to send everybody. Like, hey, be Zorro. Exactly. You don't have to be Zorro to be Zorro. Be really suave because you're going to get a Catherine Zeta-Jones. And she's totally not going to marry some old dude right after doing this. <laughs> I was like, that's really good advice. And then you said that part. Yeah. Brought everyone down again. Yeah. So Elena and Alejandro run around and they free all of the, the captive slaves just before the explosives go off, which is just great timing on their part. Elena's cruising around getting everybody out of there. Yeah. She's running around smashing locks and, and helping people out. Right. But I like how Alejandro comes over when she's out of bullets breaking these locks and she looks at him without the mask. He's like, Alejandro? Oh, it's, it's that guy? You? Right. She's probably thinking in her head like, man, I was hoping for that threesome, but- But it turns it's out- It's just a, a, a normal twosome, I guess, because you're the same person. Darn it, but yay. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I had the hots for you in a weird way, but I had the hots for the other guy <laughs> in a less weird way, and now this is weird again, but in a weird way. It's weird again in a weird yeah. way. Uh, before, before he- dies diego makes peace with alejandro he's like yeah the whole vengeance thing might be good job with the zorro <laughs> stuff and he he basically fully passes the mantle of zorro to him and gives him his blessing for he and elena's relationship he holds their hands together and then dramatically dies by pulling his hand apart from them <laughs> in the most abrupt movement that anthony hopkins has ever made He's never moved with more intention oh, man. in his life than he did in that moment when he died. And die now. <laughs> I have an Oscar. I'll do what I want. Fuck all. It's <laughs> a lick of my hand. I mean, this is my dying scene. <laughs> Sometime later, Alejandro tells stories of Zorro to he and Elena's son, Joaquin, named for, obviously for Alejandro's brother. 
Sure. As Elena puts Joaquin to sleep, Alejandro exits the room, and as Zorro draws his sword and makes his trademark Z over the credits. That's because he also does it at the beginning of the movie, the opening credits, where he walks in from the side of the screen and makes the Z, and I'm like, all right, we get it, Mark Campbell. You just did a James Bond. I get he it. sure did. Because that's exactly what it is, but he makes the Z again at the yeah. end, and here we are. Dave, before we close this whole thing out, I've got one more actual IMDb trivia fact. Let me ask you one quick question before you give me your fact. Sure. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not kidding. I was so happy last uh-huh. week in Spider-Man when we got to talk about Cinemacats.com that I wanted to have my own final musing for this episode. Now, this is funny because when Captain Love and Alejandro and everyone's blowing up the mine, the mine exploded. Yes. But it didn't so much have explodey sounds. It had sounds of cats, more or less angry cats, just yelling like jungle cats, like as it blew up. And I was going, that's not on Cinema Cats. I Googled it just to be totally safe about this. So it's kind of weird that you have final musing for this. That's funny. Because of the explodey cats. I didn't even notice the explodey cats. They were explodey cats. That's fascinating. There's also something else I want to talk about soon, but in terms of audio, but we'll get there. Well, here is my actual IMDb trivia fact final musing. Antonio Banderas provides the voice of Puss in Boots in Shrek 2, Shrek the Third, Shrek Forever After, and Puss in Boots. The character of Puss in Boots is essentially Zorro in cat form. I want to apologize to everybody listening to this on Brian's behalf for wasting your time. Um, for so many episodes with this IMDb <laughs> trivia facts. If I have to read them, you all have to hear them. They're absolutely asinine. When our listenership goes down, I'm just going to assume that you drove into a wall, Dale Earnhardt style, from listening to the IMDb actual facts. <laughs> wow. Uh, I want to say sorry to everybody. I don't, and I'm going to keep doing them. <laughs> You're usually not the villain of these episodes. <laughs> this is a weird twist. Yeah, it's you know, episode 117, it's time for the heel turn. Before you can give me any other bullshit facts, that is the Mask of Zorro from 1998, directed by the Martin Campbell. This is a great movie. This is a fun-ass movie for as dumb and stupid and lazy as it is. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I did not expect to, which made it even that more enjoyable. Right, Antonio Banderas is charming as hell. Surprise, surprise. And he's Spanish, so really, he has more in common with the bad guys in this movie, but- But here we are. here we are. It just feels like this movie doesn't really care who they cast because they clearly cast two Welsh people as two Spanish people or whatever it is. And who cares? That's very true. Who cares? I guess I probably should ask you, Rotten Tomatoes, 1 100. What are you thinking? Oh, boy. I hadn't even considered that. No, it's only 117 episodes. I can't believe you're surprised at this point. 75? How about 82? All right. I was going to say 80, and then I was like, that seems high. No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Audience score 73. Okay, see? I'm in tune with the audience. I suppose so. Roger Ebert did see this movie. He gave it three out of four stars. He says, The Mask of Zorro has something you don't often see in modern action pictures. A sense of honor, which is debatable. The character takes sides, good versus evil, and blood debts are nursed down through the generations. It also has a lot of zest, humor, energy, and swordplay. It's fun, and not an <laughs> insult to the intelligence. Uh... It is fun and zesty. Fair enough. Let me keep going then. He says, The movie resurrects a character first played in silent films by Douglas Fairbanks Sr. and again on TV in the 1950s by Guy Williams and launches him in what producers no doubt hope will be a series. Oops. He hasn't read anything about copyright issues. 
The director, Martin Campbell, did the Bond picture Goldeneye, and in a sense, The Mask of Zorro is a Bond picture on horseback. Yeah, pretty much. That's accurate. There's the megalomaniac villain, the plan to take over the world, or in this case, California, the training of the hero, the bold entry into the enemy's social world, the romance with the bad guy's stepdaughter, and the sensational stunts. There's even the always popular situation where the hero and the girl start out in a deadly struggle and end up in each other's arms. Well, when you put it that way, yeah. <laughs> he goes on further to say, hey, it's good screenplay. Glad they don't use it between the action sequences just to get by. And he likes the, the casting and the characters. And he says, hey, it's entertaining. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it, but go watch it, I guess. Yeah, that checks out. There you go. That totally checks out. What doesn't check out? Is the Raphael's on Amazon.com. Oh, no. This movie's got a 4.7 out of 5. It has 2,800 reviews, 81% are 5 star, only 1% are 1 star, and damn near all of them were complaining that there were ads and commercials interrupting their movies on Amazon Prime, which means they watched it on IMDb. Yeah, that's that's not, there shouldn't <laughs> have been ads. No, they didn't even watch it in the right place. There are no 1 stars for this thing. People like this movie. Wow, that's rare it is rare sure some people called it boring but there's nothing nah, there that's, for that. not, that's, that's not that's not a real review i feel like when we get into movies that are not from this millennium we get more of that kind of honest review there's less trolls We've talked about that before where, where you get a lot of things like 2015 on where it's just like this movie sucked assholes with straws you're like what does that even <laughs> mean <laughs> <laughs> oh wow whereas when you get into like the early 2000s people were like well Igmar Bergman wouldn't have done this movie this way and if Orson Welles had been alive he would have definitely used different angles in order to incorporate the duality of what Zorro and Raphael stand for wow it's like you put a lot of thought into that where are the assholes and straws that was nuanced <laughs> yeah no one stars Gonna Let's s- give this thing a super stuff store, <laughs> please. We we got there. We did it. We could do that, but first I think we should do something else. And now for another edition of the Camp Podcast's Theater. We're here with another edition of Cape Podcasters Theater. Once again, comedy writer Keaton Patty and Twitter Phenom has supplied us with our script today, and it starts with, I forced a bot to watch over a thousand hours of Dos Equis commercials and then ask it to write a Dos Equis commercial <laughs> of its own. It's getting harder and harder to make these connect to the movie we're watching, but I try. I think you nailed it here. This is good enough. Uh, in this one, I'll be doing the narration, and Dave, you'll be the announcer and the most interesting man in the world. That's the first for me. Perfect. Dos Equis commercial, interior, the beer realm. We see an old video of a bearded man using a penguin as a guitar. He is on stage with Elvis and the God from the Bible. He once glued a steering wheel to Asia and drove it like a fat car. We see a video of the beard man underwater. He's giving an octopus a reasonable haircut for an unreasonable price. He divorced the number seven and kept the kids, even though they are bad. The beard man throws a soccer ball and the Vietnam War ends. His phone is a bagel that can call other bagels. Toll free, toll free. The man beard stops Santa from jumping into a lake of knives. He is DC and Marvel and Medea. (laughs) (laughs) 
The bearded man eats a big mummy in one bite, winning a big mummy eating contest. The Vietnam War starts once more. (laughs) This is insane. When he touches a horse, it becomes a zebra. And when he touches a zebra, it becomes pancakes for everyone. We see the bearded man in a bar. He is surrounded by the sexiest women allowed by sex law. He is the world's... (laughs) Son of a bitch, really? (laughs) He is the world's moist mattress man. (laughs) The world's moist interest man. I don't always use the beer, but when I do, I do. The talking beard mouth drinks a Dos Equis, toll free. Stay thirsty, my fries. Jesus. The Viet- <laughs> the Vietnam War never happens. He's a genius, to put it real lightly. I don't know how he comes up with this shit, but oh my God, go buy his I book. I have no idea. That is so good. <laughs> I forced a bot to write this book, AI Meets BS. Buy it. They have it at you know places they sell books. The, the bookstores and the internets, go to a local if you can. Yeah. That'd be great. Support your Thanks. local bookery. Let's give this thing a super stuff score. Story and motivation. I'm going to go to start it off 0.5. Okay. It's totally fine. Uh, I don't know whose story it is. That's the real problem, I guess. I think it's the idea of Zorro's story, which is weird. Yeah. Like the the mythos itself is the, the main character. Right. And it's a bit weird because you obviously have... Don Diego, who is trying to save his daughter, and he's trying to pass along what is Zorro to Alejandro, but he's more passing along what it is to fight more than it is to, I guess, be this man that Zorro was, this idea behind it. So it seems a little empty in a way. I do like, though, that they include the historical uh, accuracies with Joaquin Murrieta and Harry Love and... Even Three Finger Jack is a real person from history. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it, so I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll leave it. I'll cement it at a point five. I think that does a good job. To be totally it. safe. Hero again. Who? Yeah, I mean, it's that's Zorro as a whole, probably. And both Zoros do end up saving the day. They possibly they do. I mean, one definitely does, and one definitely gets his daughter back briefly. But it's not even said like that was my father ever. Right. Like, I don't know how on board she actually is. It's hard to say. I mean, she's very happy in the in the flash forward scene, in the epilogue with Alejandro and their baby. So it doesn't prob- mean that there's a daddy. She's probably she's come like, to oh, terms with it. But I, yeah, I mean, he pop. dies right there. So either way, she loses both dads on the same day. I'm going to go 0.5 again. I think uh, it's confused. It, to, it is confused. To put it real lightly. Villains. He's very bad. He's very bad. And- it, once again, we have this villain whose whole goal is, I want to own California. I want land, damn it. Land. That's all it comes down to. These villains love land. I don't know. Like, his whole plan, he wants to take this gold, but it seems like there's no I love next gold. step. He's just going to buy this land from Santa Annie with his own gold. It's like, what's the next step then? Then I don't he's understand going to, what his full plan is. He's going to own the land, and it will be part of spain and that's it that's really all it is at that point i think so it's kind of like a boring conquistador when you think about it yeah it kind of is isn't it i'm gonna go 0.25 0.25 i mean he's a bad man he he kidnaps a a little girl and then raises her but he raises her in a a loving family (laughs) so it's very confusing yeah 0.25 is appropriate 
parents? Whose and whose, it doesn't matter, zero. Yeah, yeah, we don't know anything about anybody's parents except for Elena's. Elena's and... And that's the next category, female characters. She is a badass and also really horny, and it is confusing. Again. I agree. She is so badass, but also very horny. And and I'm going to go a safe point five. Ooh, that feels generous, but I'm going to allow it because yeah, of how badass more she is. Yeah, it's me pulling the ripcord and saying, oh, it's complicated. It's complicated. Yeah, like she's, she's very horny the whole movie and just really loves Antonio Banderas. But also, she saves the majority of the slaves in the last scene. So. Yes, she does. Uh, point five. Point five. Earned it. Setting. Is it California? I guess it is. As far as they I can tell. Was. Yeah. I mean, it's Sandy, and it looks like the 1800s, as far as I remember them. All right, one. I Nailed it. I don't have I enough guess. to, to argue argument. against the one. <laughs> I don't have one either. Yeah. Uh, way to go, movie. Backdooring your way into a one. Good job. Good job. Style and tone. It's okay, I think. I mean, Antonio Banderas makes a good Zorro. He looks like a good Zorro. Yes. A lot of these characters are cartoonish. Yeah, but I think that's intentional. I think that's that's part of this fun tone that they're they've established. Yeah, I think that Martin Campbell has issues with tone as a director because he goes into these deep action scenes and then pulls out with comedy, but it feels like the comedy isn't warranted yet. It feels like it's too soon every time. The jokes never makes a lot of sense, so it's only kind of funny. Whereas if he had set it up a little bit better, the jokes would land a little bit better. Yeah, and then it makes the action land a little bit better. It makes the tension land a little bit better. The story land a little better. I think I'm going to go uh, 0.75. I agree, 0.75. I, I don't think it deserves a full one, but I don't think it, it's bad. So Right. That's going to bring us to music. It's Jimmy fucking Horns. It's Jimmy fucking Horns, and it's noticeably James Horner. I texted you while I was watching this saying, hey, while you're watching this, try to guess who the composer was. And you instantly said, it's Jimmy fucking Horns. Yeah. Instantly. 14 minutes in, I was like, that's James Horner. James Horner is a very good composer, but he uses the same exact horn riff on damn near everything he does. He uses it often. I've noticed it on, it was either Avatar, I noticed it, I noticed an Amazing Spider-Man, and I most noticed it in the movie Troy, Troy, and that's the reason why I know it so well. And he does the same exact horn riff in this. Yeah. The yeah. same exact thing, note for note. It was, Everything's the same. During Avatar, you actually had to pause the movie to look up who the composer was because you're like, I think they ripped off the the, the soundtrack of of Troy. Troy, right? And you were like, Oh no, it's the same guy. It's and the same yeah, guy. It's right. Jimmy Horn. He reused that a lot, but it's all he does. But it it's good. It works. It works, and it's very much here again. Yeah. I'm going to go one. It's Jimmy fucking Horns. I agree. It's, he does a good job. It's a one. We've talked about him four, now five times in the podcast, and we have at least at least two more in the future. So Yes, we do. And then just a whole plethora of movies he's done that are fodder for possibly Patreon episodes. So Correct. He has done a lot. He did a lot. He did a lot. Yeah. One-liners. There's not a lot. There's not a lot. There are a couple. There are a couple of times that I laughed at this movie. Um, what do you got? When he says the pointy end goes in the other man, I was like, that's how you use a sword. Absolutely. And uh, the only other one I can think of is when he's trying to use the medallion to buy a whiskey. And and uh, Diego's like, don't use that for a whiskey. And he's like, what, you think I could get two? Like I said, zero. Zero. None of these are memorable. They're just fun to have. I the think movie. the pointy end goes in the other man is memorable. Okay. 
0.25. You nailed it, Brian. 0.25 for one line. I did it. <laughs> I don't care for this heel turn. Not even a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that's Me fighting for one-liners is no different than ever. That's true. And the final category is impact on the genre. Not a whole lot. It got a sequel. But, I mean, it's Zorro. How much impact could it possibly have on itself because of the issues that go on? Copyright, yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to go 0.25 just because it got a sequel and fine. 0.25 there we go. it is. I agree with that. And that's going to give Zorro a total score of five. Yep. Nailed it. It's yeah. a perfectly okay movie. That's a lot of fun, but it's also kind of crappy. I, I do have an update from last week's Super Stuff score too, because sometimes the calculations go wonky and we missed a 0.5 on the, on the total last week. So Spider-Man Homecoming did get a seven. Hey, how about that? Which is still too still low. Still totally fine. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, Mask of Zorro is going to get a five. All right. I'm okay with it. Totally okay with it. That seems appropriate. I can't decide. I'm instantly thinking already, and I rarely think about Super Stuff score before we go into something, because it is really just from the gut whenever we pull out these arbitrary numbers yeah. in discussion. The movie we're talking about next week, I think, could either break the scale, or it could possibly end up really close to the bottom, and I just have no idea where it's going to land. Oh, wow. And I'm so curious, because it's one that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, I've never seen this movie, so I couldn't help you with the Super Stuff prediction. Next week, we're going to be talking about Dick Tracy. That's right. And knowing that you've never seen it, I am so excited right now. I'm pretty excited, too, because I've heard a lot about it, and I know it's had an impact on you. It has. It's a movie I grew up with, weird enough. It's kind of Rocketeer level on my life. Oh, like, wow. my life, where Rocketeer I grew up with also, and this was another one I remember watching as a kid. And- it's had a strange influence on me of like, that's movie making. That's how Hollywood works. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. So I'm so curious to rewatch it. I haven't watched it in probably five years. So okay. I'm really, really excited for this one. As far as I can tell from the time we've spent doing this podcast, the three movies that have had the biggest impact on your childhood are Dick Tracy, The Rocketeer, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're going to understand a lot about me after you watch Dick Tracy of just the level of absurdity that some things could go to. Uh, so That's exciting. All right, cool. It's very exciting. Yeah, we actually this month did something different. We put our whole February release schedule up on our Facebook, so you can go check that out and see what we're doing at the end of the month, too. Right, you can catch up. You can get ahead of us, even, so you can watch these things before we talk about them, so you can really get into the episode, if you will. Yeah. So next week, it's going to be Dick Tracy. Until then, be sure to rate, review, subscribe on whichever podcast platform you prefer. We're on all of them and you found us, so, you know, click the button. Like and follow us on social media at Kate Podcasters. Links to the specific pages can be found on katepodcasters.com. While you're there, you can check out our Patreon for monthly exclusive not-so-super movies and the occasional bonus Batman animation pull list or Blurt and Turny episode. Stay tuned later for this week for more WandaVision as we continue our journey through the new episodes and give our immediate thoughts after our first viewing. And uh, feel free to say say some stuff to us. Ask us questions. Suggest movies. Send them to katepodcasters at gmail.com. And every single week, we also post the movie that we're talking about that night, usually, just to get questions and comments from you guys for the show. We had a couple this week. Tyler from the Tadpog podcast said he was obsessed with this movie. I guess after he watched it, he went home and constructed scenes out of Legos and made a Zorro Lego man. Nice. I could go for some Legos right now. I always go for some Legos, and it makes me jealous that he had enough Legos that he can construct a scene. Yeah. Gah. 
What a humble brag there, Tyler. <laughs> I had so many Legos. I could make Look at all my Legos. I'm going to make, make a, a Zorro. Zorro. I have so many Legos. I'm going to take some Legos off of this Catherine Jones Lego. And she's going to be, be surprised. <laughs> Why is this one female one wet? Jesus. Gross. <laughs> of course, it wouldn't be an episode without the Ginger Skull Dave Novak saying something. Oh, no. He wants to know who would win in a three-way duel. Zorro, the Dread Pirate Roberts from The Princess Bride, and the Scarlet Pumpernickel. The Scarlet Pumpernickel, he said. Yeah. Also, he went on to, you know, love his own comment, because, of course, he did. I mean, that is peak Ginger Skull right there. Yep. Um, I'm going to go with Zorro's winning it all. Zorro, obviously. The, the thing about Zorro is that he's Zorro. And even uh, Bob Anderson who did the the sword training for this movie, said that Antonio Banderas was a natural and the best, most gifted swordsman he'd trained and worked with since Errol Flynn. Oh, shit. Yeah. That is high praise. So, Zorro by a mile. Damn. Last one we have on Facebook comes from across the pond. Oh. Livy says, I loved this film when I was younger, but the head in the jar was a bit alarming for a 10-year-old. Yeah, definitely. Completely agree. She goes on to and say, we... this is one of like 10 videos in my tiny village petrol station, which was also where you can rent videos. It was either this, Mission Impossible, or a film about a talking parrot called Polly. I love Polly. That movie is so good. <laughs> if you want to talk about childhood movies, Polly is definitely one of mine. Not on my list. I don't even remember seeing it. I know the movie. Don't remember it it's at all. It's got the little girl from the Pepsi commercials in it. That's an Eisenberg. Yes, it is an Eisenberg. I forgot about that. That's the that. other Eisenberg. Yeah. Yeah, the the head in the jar is a bit much. We didn't even mention it in our, our synopsis. We didn't, and that was a weird thing. Love pulled out the head in the jar to Alejandro, and he's like, hey, this is your brother. And my question was, why are you keeping heads in jars? What are you doing? Were you waiting to pull this thing out for a dramatic point in this movie where you might run into his brother one day? I don't know. Yeah. Well, fun fact, uh, the historical <laughs> actual Harry Love did keep the historical, actual Joaquin Murrieta's head in a jar. This is a weird movie. Yeah. It's a weird history, and there you go. There you go. The more you know. The more you know. Again. A dark more you know. (laughs) You got anything else? That's it for me. All right. I guess we're going to see you all next week for Dick Tracy. Same pod time. Same pod. (laughs) 